I've learned that everyone has a message. And welcome to the Million Dollar Speaker Podcast. Hi, I'm RV Robinson. I'm the master speaker trainer, international speaker, and three-time best-selling author, and recently best-selling author of The Impact of One Voice. Your voice, your story, and your message matters. And today with me is one of our authors, and that is Rosemary Davison. And let me give her a proper introduction. Rosemary Davison who is a child of God, complete in Christ, and walks freer than free. Her cup runneth over with God's love, which has been stirring in her heart. She now pours his love wherever you let her. There is no love or freedom as liberating as this. She desires to see others experience the same. You can find her lost in a book, reflecting with gratitude and salt in solitude, feasting with loved ones, having heart-to-heart conversations with anyone willing, or referring resources to edify and strengthen others. A ministry that has made a major impact in her life that she often refers to is Freedom in Christ Ministries, and she highly recommends their books. The Steps to Freedom in Christ, Victory Over Darkness, and Bondage Breaker. She and her husband, Ronnie, are shining their light as ministers of reconciliation to glorify their Heavenly Father wherever they go, but mainly in Los Angeles County, California. So help me welcome Rosemary Davidson. Yay! Woo! All right. So, Rosemary, one of the things I said before we even started the show today was that just a congratulations to you for stepping up and sharing your life with us on the pages of this book and not playing it safe. I mean, you stepped out vulnerable and here you are to be vulnerable again. And it's that vulnerability. It's within that vulnerability that changes lives and make the impact that we want to make on the lives of others, not playing it by doing it. We can't do it by playing it safe. So congratulations for that. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about your chapter. So tell us why you wrote this particular chapter called, and I love the title, From Fragments to Masterpiece. From Fragments to Masterpiece. So tell us a little bit about your chapter. why I wrote it was, you know, your theme is the impact of one voice and our message matters. And to me, this is really a testimony of my life and everyone. I've learned that everyone has a message, regardless of where you think you are, whether you think you're unsuccessful, you have nothing going on for you. We all come from something and we all have a message. And as you said, being vulnerable and being real 
that's the most important thing that our message may not be for another person, but there is someone who's looking and will only hear the message that you say, that you speak, that you lived and it may be that survival guide for someone else. And so I decided to basically just write my testimony in hopes that even if I just reached that one person that would somehow read it or hear about it, that they too would be encouraged. Right. And a testimony it is. Now you say you start out where you talk about you grew up in Japan. And I love, yes. And I love how you talk about an analogy about a broken pot. So tell us a little bit about that analogy. Um, yeah. So I actually grew up in Las Vegas, partially in Vegas, but I learned about the art of oh, in Japan. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Okay. okay, got it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and um, I just love their art. I, I love art, but I love the damaged pottery. That's why I named it from fragments to masterpiece because it's, it's beautiful pottery that most likely, whether it's China, anything that you really value, when most of the time it breaks, people think you just throw it away. That's but right. instead, with Kintsugi in Japan, their philosophy is that you don't throw it away, you mend it back together, and they use gold, silver, or platinum, valuable um, metals, and they bring it together, mend it back together. So you see the damages, but instead it's lined with the gold and, and the silver. And instead, the actual worth of the pottery is more, it's actually more worth more than what it originally was worth. And it's the same thing when it comes to our lives and that you don't look at the damage as something bad, but you actually look at it as a history, as a history, not to be ashamed about and right. it, it's just part of your beauty. It's the same is you, how I see it. So how would you relate that to your life and to people? Because it's an analogy for us as human beings. Yeah. I would relate it to, you know, I can't say that we all come from exactly a broken home. I don't know everyone's home, but I can say for my home, I come from a broken home from physical, sexual and verbal abuse. And so every moment of those and everyone may have a different story, but for mine, those were things that broke me, you know, piece by piece. And so as they shattered, it's the same as oftentimes if you're not healed, you feel like you can never be healed again. And instead you're deteriorating, you're deteriorating and you're as if you're just living damaged, broken, and no one wants you, nothing good can come of you. So you're barely even living, you're just existing. And so for me, it was such a a big thing realizing that, you know, especially when I came to Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that, you know, I have worth, you know, learning that I have, he has a purpose and a plan for me. And so he brought my pieces together and I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to be fearful. Um, instead that there's others who may need that. And I wanted to, um, it's it's sometimes it what's the word I had someone that used to say you shouldn't look like your situation and you know so it's like it's better to be the example than to than an explanation and so I I see it as the same way and as that 
Right. And you are such a beautiful soul and beautiful spirit now. And I'm sorry you had to go through what you went through, but part of, you know, that, that I love that broken, um, I see a vase, you know, like a broken vase analogy, but just to be clear, I mean, you're, you know, your broken home and your abuse. I mean, all of it happened before you were six years old. Yeah. Is a, you know, that's a time where most people don't get the abuse because they're cute, they're babies or whatever. So it was very tragic, the time frame. And it was so bad that what the state came in and took you away. Was, yes. it, was it only your father or did you have a mother, brothers and sisters or were you only living with your father? So actually, I was living with my mother and my father and also her boyfriend. Um, so oh. th- th- there's a lot of uh, oh. there's more to the story, but there was a lot of dysfunction. It wasn't just my father. But in this story, I did bring up my father. But there were actually more um, more people that were involved. Got it. Yes. So I, I grew up with them, the three of them for the now, most part. Who do you think your guardian angel was? that found out what was happening to you and, 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 you know, told the state, notified the state that someone took you away because that was a godsend right there to take you out of that situation. Do you remember who it was? Was it a relative, a friend, uh, someone that came over, a babysitter? Well, to be honest, actually, I was the one that reported it. So years old. Yes. So, well, (laughs) okay. So that's the, the little twisted thing. Um, long story short, uh, I was taught what inappropriate touching rape and, um, those, those things by my mother's boyfriend. He was very blunt. Um, and he taught me those things and said, if my father ever did that, then report. And so I did. But there's actually a lot deeper to it than just that. But yes, um, I ended up using that information. And I, I had once it, if once it happened, I, yeah, I ended up calling. All but right. I, yeah. And I, <laughs> and I did learn that, especially when it comes to kids with trauma, if anyone has ever learned that or has or if interested is usually kids with trauma actually are aware a lot more than those that are sheltered. So um, during that time, I was already aware of, you know, sex and pornography. And I, I even had to call the the fire, the, the 911 when someone was having a seizure. So it, it was I, I was already kind of aware of a lot of things <laughs> at a very, very young age. But then when you you did um, go into you went into, you know, a, a child haven, which you called it something else. And I love what you call it that. My goodness, for a young age, you are really bright. So what did you used to call it? Um, it's called Child Haven in Vegas. There's not many. I, I've never heard of it anywhere else. Um, but I called it a pound for kids, um, <laughs> basically, because it, we're all just temporarily in a shelter and, and they're looking for owners you know, parents or someone that would take them in, or if you're a foster parent or just looking to adopt, what happens is they come into the building and they observe the children 
And if they want you, they may talk to you, play with you a little bit, come back a few more times and interview you um, and then ask you, do you want to go with them? And then you have a choice. And if, if for some reason it doesn't work out, they take you back. So it's no different than a shelter, how I saw it. Wow. And I, now, did yeah. you get adopted? I mean, by a family? I never got adopted. Um, but what happened was, is I had a choice between going with my family I never met or my mom's boyfriend. In addition to that, I actually had my foster mom who um I love her she's in Alabama actually um but in the meantime when I made the decision I decided to go with my family in California my foster mom um actually as she was coming in checking out the children her her and her foster child I I don't I guess they took a liking to me and that's just like I said they talked to me interviewed kind of like when you play with the kid or a child or dog and then you take them in (laughs) So I lived lived with foster your foster mom for several years, not not several years. I lived. I think she told me that I lived with her for a few months or so. Um, It felt like a year for me, at least it felt like a long time because she taught me so much. I had so many experiences like going to the beach that was such a big deal for me um simple things but it was new for me and she did so much so it felt like a long time but I think she said it was only for a few months um but I ended up after um going with my family in California and that's for years so once I turned about eight close to eight a little earlier than eight, I moved in with my family in California. And then as soon as I turned 18, 19, I moved on my own, but I lived with them for the rest of the years. Got it. Now, what was your family consisted of? It was your mom and your mom's boyfriend or who was your family? Who I originally lived with was no, uh, in Vegas. No. Moved to in California. California yeah. Um, it was my aunt, uncle, um, and their children, and they had, um, it was my mother's sister's side. So. Oh, nice. Oh, mm-hmm. So I got to be in connection with my whole family through that, oh, through that move. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. Great. So now let's talk about you, the biggest shift and how you healed and how you, you found God in Jesus, because you said something really funny in there. And I outlined it because you talked about Jesus lovers right? But you really found a love for Jesus. You weren't just a Jesus lover. You really found the love of Jesus. So tell us a little bit about that, how that happened and what your experience was. Um, So my aunt and uncle, when they took me in, they actually introduced me to Christ right when I came in. So they just, you know, it's funny. I, I still remember they gave me, they had a little track and they had me read, read with them, oh, yeah, read it. Little yes. Yeah, <laughs> and then that. at the end, yes, it was, they were like, do you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I, I understood the whole track and I was like, yes, you know, so I, I received him then. Um, but when it came to in this book, how I mentioned about the Jesus lovers, I didn't like the Jesus lovers. I didn't want them, you know, my main reason or one would be, which some people know, not a lot of people know, but um, when they say like, you know, oh, I, I've met Jesus people and I, I I don't care or I hate them. And it's like, I had every reason to, too, because one of my molesters, he was actually a pedophile. He used to sing Jesus Loves Me when he would molest me sometimes. Oh, no. Yeah. So 
Um, my first experience of Jesus was really from a pedophile. And so he had a, um, uh, he had a very innocent, he had two sides to him. It was really good as a father on the outward looking in, but behind closed doors, you know, there were other things, but, uh, my first experience was Jesus through him. So it wasn't a good experience. No, No, I'm so sorry. Um, but then when you, so you grew up, I mean, how blessed of your aunt and uncle to do that. But tell us where you are now in your faith now, because it's very strong. So you found your own way. So tell us about that. Well, um, you know, it took me years, but I I believe what I've experienced is God had his hand on me throughout all my life. Um, He's always had a teacher um, or a stranger or a coworker. And it was always a mother figure. (laughs) <laughs> and it was either a strong woman of of God that would be like like very like strong <laughs> strong willed with me like where one woman turned around and slapped my table and said stop shaking the table <laughs> you know she'll be like you know it, it was very I've had those women who are very strong you know but they love God and they would say let me pray for you you know let me pray for I'm acting up yeah yeah it's like, <laughs> Yeah, because like I, I took the car or something. They were like, don't you still like smack me in the back of the head and say, wait till you turn 18. Stop being, you know, disobedient, you know, and that was one of my teachers, actually. Um, and she would make me come to church with her sometimes. But I remember when she heard that I took the car of, of my family and I, you know, I I didn't apologize before. Aunt and uncle, mom and dad, I call them aunt. Aunt, mom, uncle, dad, sometimes <laughs> the, I took their car, you know, I was going through my own rebellious stage and um, major. Yeah. Yeah. One teacher, she, that took me in a lot. She, uh, she was a strong mother figure, smacked me in the back of the head. And um, she, uh, she, she got me straight and took me to church every week. And, uh, <laughs> and then even when I left the home, um, on my own, it was from coworkers and different people that they would either be like, I don't have any answers for you, but can I just pray for you? Or they'll encourage me. I'll be crying because I'm in toxic relationships, all those things. And later on, I, I would always think most of the time these were just nice people. But on top of that, later on, they would want to pray for me or they knew Jesus or they'd encourage me. And, and they would somehow remind me of Jesus. So I already felt looking back like, wow, he had his hand on me, just reminding me, chasing me down, you know, letting me know he's there. You know, it's just really, it says to test the spirits, discern the spirit. So I've learned that I had to discern the spirits and I've done my own test of, I've done my own way enough (laughs) that it never worked out. And eventually I said, God, if you're real, and I remember I had a pastor pray with me because I was getting evicted like three times and the church paid. But I remember the pastor talked to me and he was like, you know, there's certain things we don't condone, but we still want to help you, you know, and he he was the first person to talk to me in with truth and love with gentleness and he was like do you are you do you still consider yourself a believer and all those things and I was like yes you know I just don't really know how to get out of that and everything we prayed for it seemed like my life was falling apart (laughs) but it actually was falling together and that was when I started making those deals (laughs) you know when when you're coming to God like okay if you do this 
I promise I'll go to church. I'll follow you for real. And eventually it came to the point where I said, you know what, Jesus, you are real. You've already shown me enough and I'll follow you for the rest of my life now. You know, so that's how that went. I love that. You know, you're so honest about even, you know, sharing that. Okay, making a deal with God, making a deal. We've all done that. I mean, how many of you listeners out there are going, yeah, I've done that. You know, we make deals with God, you know, and so you're not alone, sister. You know, we've all done that. You know, we've put him in the back seat and we said, well, look, I'm going to drive for a while you know, <laughs> sit back there and watch me. And then you crash and then you go, oops. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Jesus, would you drive now? You know, I mean, we all done that. So I love that. And then ties us back to that pottery, you know, of how you put it back together and how God put it back together using gold and silver and love and all of that. Yeah. So now since then, because you mentioned um, toxic relationships, but I know now you're married, you're in a beautiful relationship which has all happened since you gave your life to God. So tell us a little bit about your beautiful husband and your beautiful life that you have now. Oh, wow. Amen. Uh, well, I, I just give glory to God and I thank him for his faithfulness. You know, like I stopped necessarily, like I stopped making those deals with God when I finally was like, all right, Jesus, you're real, you know? And <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to follow you when things don't even make sense, because that was when he started to really show me if you just trust me, you know, and even when it came to relationships, I I stopped doing my own way and I started getting really serious about everything. I'm like, OK, if your word, if the Bible says this is true, then therefore I will test it. It says all his promises are yes and amen. And so, you know, it says God withholds no good thing from from you. And so I was like, OK, I'm, I'm just going to trust that. And my husband always says, you know, we always try to ask God to bless our mess. And I, I've done that all the time. And I just was like, you know, I'm going to go hard for God the way he's done hard for me. And um, my husband has been a blessing for me. I wasn't even looking. I got to a point where I was like, God, it's just you and me. I don't think there's no such thing as a guy out there that doesn't believe in sex before, you know, it's not waiting for marriage when it comes to sex or or anything like that, or at least trying to get to know the Lord. Or and I was done with that. I don't want to drag anyone to church. I don't want to have anyone pray with me if they don't want to. It was like, God, I want someone who is stronger than me who's a prayer warrior so if i'm down they can pick me up that i finally have an equal um a, a, a equally yoked relationship right. and so he he really showed that to me I, I went to church one day a different church and um there there was a guy that was cute there never talked to him which was him <laughs> um we were the only young people really uh but i thought he was too churchy uh and I found out years later that the pastor told him he wasn't allowed to talk to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I, I believe it was the Holy Spirit as they were saying it, that he wasn't ready and I wasn't. And then even during that time, although he wasn't allowed to talk to me, the pastor and, and the first lady, the, the wife, pastor's wife made him walk me to my car every day. Every time it was Bible study, church, 
he had to walk me to my car. And so we had a friendship for a few years before even considering an option. And, um, you know, I'm just I'm grateful because it, it's everything I asked for and more, you know, it, it, and I, I'm just that's right there. Actually, I just realized. I so I, I, I'm just uh, I'm very grateful. And I, I just thank God that his word is true and he's always faithful, even when we're not, you know, and even when our feelings don't match whatever's happening, he doesn't change. And so I can always trust it. And I thank God that he did that for me, even with my husband, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Rosemary, our time is up for today. And I just love your genuineness and honesty and vulnerability. Now, if you had some last words for our listeners, for that one person out there that needs you and needs that encouragement, what would you say to them? I would say that this is for, I know not everyone believes in the same thing, but those who are looking, I do believe there's a God that loves you and it really is Jesus. And if you ever feel like you haven't done, you're not, you're dirty or, or you've done too much or the real you, God couldn't love, you couldn't make it there. You know, Jesus already did the work. His free gift is his life which he already forgave us. Now it's for us to believe it and actually receive it. And um, that when you do receive him as your Lord and savior, you are a new creation in Christ. And a lot of times people just look at the cross and just his death, but there's actually more to that. He actually resurrected. And he says, Jesus says that I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Therefore, we actually are able to have that life in mind, body and spirit. And we are a new creation that we don't have to. It says in Isaiah 43, we can forget the former things of old because he is doing a new thing. And so I just want to encourage those to um, know that there is a God that loves us. Jesus loves us. And if you come to him with your heart, he knows we just have to just ask him, you know, hey, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. He knows, you know, and, and I believe and I receive you and show me how to follow you. And and he will. He's so faithful and patient with us because we will not change overnight. It took us a long time to get here. It's the same thing sometimes that we'll have to unlearn a lot of things, too. But he'll give us the grace and strength to do it. Great. Well said. Thank you so much, Rosemary. All right. Now, if someone, Rosemary, wanted to get a hold of you. How would they do that? Where do they go to reach out to you and say, Rosemary, I loved your story. I, I want to talk to you. I need I need help from you. I need prayer from you. How would they get a hold of you? Well, I actually didn't think that far. <laughs> um, but I would say uh, you can email me at rosemarytong123 at yahoo.com. I uh I did this out of a leap of faith and actually had no intentions of any connections, but feel free to reach me out, reach out to me on Facebook or my email, rosemarytong123 at yahoo.com. Right. Now her, her book is called, her last name is Davison, but her, what is Tong your uh, maiden name? Yes. And that's T-O-N-G. Again, yeah. she's on Facebook, reach out to her there, Rosemary Tong, T-O-N-G, and you will find her there in case you want to reach out to her. All right, Rosemary, thank you once again for being on our show today and for all your love 
and all your love for Christ and your journey. And you'll, you'll be in my prayers, I know, uh, for continuous happiness. And I loved how when you talked about your husband, you your whole face lit up. When you talked about <laughs> Jesus and your husband, both <laughs> times, uh, your face lit up. It's just beautiful to see and watch. So thank you again for sharing today. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for this week. Tune back in next week. And again, don't forget to get your copy of The Impact of One Voice. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Yes, there it is, The Impact of One Voice. Grab your copy today. All right, that's our show today. We'll see you back here next time. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Million Dollar Speaker Podcast. Please hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review and feel free to share our channel with your friends and family. Also, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you. And remember, you are one step closer to becoming a Million Dollar Speaker.